Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week, back from vacation, is Joe Lupton. <laughs> hey, Joe, Bruce. Looks like you got a little bit of sun. That's good. Cause I got a lot of sun. <laughs> that's good because certainly we came back and we went back <laughs> into the fray very uh, intensely. Yeah, back into week. the frying pan. Uh, let's let's spend our time on that. Of course, this is an issue of trying to map the intensifying conflict related to the Russian invasion of Ukraine to macroeconomic uh, outcomes. Uh, we've been talking about this a, quite a bit, but the point is the f developments are continuing to evolve in ways that are having pretty significant uh, impact on our forecast. So let's take stock of where we are today, recognizing that a week from now, we'll probably be having to take stock again of where we are. So where are we today on Friday, March 4th, is it? I think it is, yeah. Good. Yes, my, what? my mother's birthday. Happy birthday. Um, okay, <laughs> yes. Um, so I think it kind of de depends on whether you're talking in terms of growth or revisions to growth that we've made in response to the crisis. I, obviously, it's the latter that we've been focused on, and maybe we can come back to the first point on just where our actual growth numbers are. But in terms of... of how we're thinking about this, and, and, and you guys started writing about it uh, last week, and we, we expounded upon that uh, in a note that came out yesterday. This is really through the lens of the commodity price hit, and you know, focusing on the idea uh, that uh, you know, outside of the region itself, the real damage is coming through increases in oil prices, natural gas prices, and to some extent, you know, metals prices. You know, all of these things are, are doing damage, but the purchasing power hit is huge. And so uh, that keeps going up. We've marked to market, uh, although I, I don't know if we fully marked to market, quite honestly, the some of the inflation news. But, you know, we've boosted the inflation numbers up a good percentage point uh, over the course of this year. Inflation now on a quarter-on-quarter -quarter basis is expected to run over 6% uh in the in the current quarter uh and that's the strongest we've seen in, in many decades so um you know overall we bumped but also just just let's keep this in mind that we were near six percent last quarter and it also looks like we're going to be near six percent next quarter so that's three quarters in a row of very high inflation um and as you say that is a big part of the transmission of this shock to the rest of the world yeah, and we've we've made revisions accor accordingly. Um, although we can debate whether it's fully done yet, but you know we we lowered our our first global GDP numbers by about one and a quarter to one and a half percent. Big revisions in Europe, obviously ma massive revisions to Russia, which normally we wouldn't make a big deal about. But the numbers are so big that even at a two percent global weight, are probably taking off about. Um, you know, I, I guess I'd have to say about a half a percentage point or more from global GDP growth. So, um, you know, if you strip that out, maybe our revisions aren't quite as large. They're a little under a percentage point. Um, as I said, focused in the U.S. or focused in Europe, um, I guess I'm a little concerned about our U.S. numbers, which we did, I guess, tweak a little bit down. But, uh, or a percent you know, of the first half. Yeah, I mean, certainly going into the into this, you can see why they're not seeing much concern. Today's payroll report was gangbusters. Lots of reasons to be upbeat on growth right now. But I just think this purchasing power hit six percent off of earnings power. That's a big 
headwind that the global economy is going to have to, global consumer is going to have to grapple with as you move through the course of this quarter and into next quarter. So let's sort of just note two things and then elaborate on one of them. One is that we are believing in today's employment report as part of the support for this view. We are believing that we're lifting as we start to shake off the Omicron drag. So these revisions, particularly the revisions for the next quarter, are coming against what we think will be lift, both from the Omicron drag fading and also because we get some China stimulus kicking in. But the other thing here is that our baseline forecast, as you say, may not even be fully marked to market to what we think is happening on crude oil prices, where our forecast today are for oil to stay above $100 a barrel, not far from their current level uh, through the middle part of the year. But the issue is really, what's the risk that things get more intense in the conflict, that there's more significant disruptions uh, that so far have not really disrupted the supply of energy. They've only threatened to, to do so. But what about the risk of actually doing so? Well, I mean, to the extent that risk premium is, is driving the prices uh, and not necessarily reflecting actual constraints yet, I mean, it, it doesn't matter so much to the consumer. We make this point in the note that the price is the price. Uh, and so the damage to purchasing power is there. Of course, if the if the physical constraints start to come in, whether it's kind of embargoes on, on Russian exports or it's Russia kind of trying to weaponize its commodities, no doubt prices will move up even further. And that that's, I guess, in a sense, the risk that that you're you're talking about. So things could could get worse from where we are, of course. Um, you know, I think beyond that, there are things that we have not fully uh, embedded in our forecast yet that has, I think, me worried, and I know, and I know you worried. There are things we talked about in the report. I think the food price uh, part of this is something that could be lingering for quite some time in a sense that, you know, the fertilizer impact, not just the, the, the wheat and corn and sunflower oil, that's going to be disruptive for sure. That kind of is in, in the prices. But when you think about fertilizer, uh, that's going to be difficult to put on fields, planting uh, seasons get disrupted. This could be an agricultural shock that lasts well through the end of this year and into the early part of next year. There's metals prices that we didn't, it's kind of hard to wrap our hands around it. We feel like there's a cushion on inventories from a lot of these industrial metals like palladium, platinum, neon, uh, there are some concerns in the marketplace talking to clients about how this might disrupt auto sector and and uh, and semiconductors. But uh, I think with some some cushion there, that does help us. But maybe that's a little wishful thinking that you know that we could be uh, set up for for a bit of a shock on the, on on the two sectors, by the way, that got hammered from last year's bottlenecks, right? Semiconductors and autos. So uh, that's certainly on our mind as a downside risk. Yeah, I think those are important risks, and I think you're right in emphasizing the fact that those could be lingering uh, issues. I think we do still need to recognize that from the acute side of the question, uh, you know, there is the the risk of Russian oil supply being cut off either because we start to see the uh, Western allies move towards that uh, shift in sanctions, um, or because something goes wrong and cuts off natural gas supply which for Europe is a very specific pressure point uh, and, a, and an important one because it's very hard uh, to create substitutes for that over any short period of time. I mean, I think the interesting thing is is the cushions that are there 
there's a cushion on supply in the global economy and probably in the European space, the cushion will come from uh, federal, not federal, fiscal subsidies that come uh, to at least cushion the blow of the price increase. The, the, the actual loss of supply may still uh, create uh, disruptions in, in industrial users. So, uh, you know, I think there is that, that risk. Yeah, but I mean, we did, and, and, it, and in the note, and maybe you were kind of prompting me to try to refer to this, and I, I didn't, but, you know, there, there are cushions just on the physical supply as well, right? I mean, the potential loss of oil if, uh, to Russia and Europe is about 4.3 million barrels per day. Um, we already, there's, there's a good chance, but although not done, not a done deal that Iran oil comes back online. That's 800 million barrels plus a ramping up of production that we think maybe averages as much as, uh, you know, 0.8 million barrels per day over the course of this year. Um, I think a big one is the SPR, which has already been enacted, but there's as much as uh, 1.4 billion barrels that could be tapped if worse came to worse. And, and so thinking about not just the 60 million barrels that were announced, um, you know, earlier this week or last week, you can imagine that happening every month. And that's roughly a, about close to 2 million barrels per day on average. That's pretty big offset. Uh, there's obviously U.S. shale. And I think there's some questions about OPEC, which, you know, has <laughs> so far has said they don't seem to be, really be uh, uh, kind of concerned about what they're seeing. Uh, you know, that that could change. Very fluid situation. There's a ton of supply that could offset the point. That's the point. So let, let's uh, let's end because we'll we'll need to cut this off. This could be a very long call, but let's end with that in mind uh, as we think about possible uh, changes in the uh, uh, the ground on sanctions, but also other policies to try to limit some of the damage done by that. Uh, but let's focus next week. We've got um, both a European energy announcement coming that, that could have a direct implication on this natural gas issue. And then we have the ECB. So Europe is clearly going to be central on the policy side as the Fed meeting is, is actually the week after. So let's end on that note. What do we expect from European political developments next week? Yeah, boy, it's 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 a it's a big wild card, right? Because I mean, I think on on some levels, it it's you could get just a lot of kind of perfunctory type uh, material. I think the bombshell that people are are starting to wonder about is whether you get something that does involve something like an immediate embargo combined with some you know material. Uh, kind of concrete shift towards energy independence from from Russia. Um, I think the odds of that are 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 low. At least that's my own opinion. I think uh, opinion of our European economists as well. Uh, but certainly, it, when I mentioned the the potential of the 4.3 million barrels per day off the market from Russia. Those were, you know, were kind of that's the extreme of the exports from Russia to Europe and to the U.S., where also I would emphasize the U.S. is talking about potential embargoes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the March 8 kind of this energy security, um, you know, policy change is, is going to be important to watch. ECB is interesting because, you know, we just had that inflation report this week, right? And that was uh, a reminder that we're coming into this with pretty whopping inflation, not just at the headline, but also at the core inflation level. 
Um, but I think the, the growth concerns right now are probably kind of going to keep them, you know, far away from talking anything towards the hike that we still are holding on to for the end of this year. Right. And I think that's the important point, really, is they they have till uh, at least the summer before they have to set us up for something like that. So they can easily just stay say, let's wait and see here. The, the Fed, of course, is a different animal. And Powell has already told us they're going 25 next month. The question is, what do they see and how do they uh, respond to this balance of high inflation and, and something of a, of a threat to U.S. growth as we go forward? But let's leave it there and uh, thank everyone for listening. Hope that we can continue the conversation next week on J.P. Morgan TV.